0: Section twenty of the Romance of a Mummy and Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Jones, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Romance of a Mummy in Egypt by Theophile Gauchier, translated by F C de Sumacros. Section twenty. Chapter sixteen a few days later the pharaoh was driving along the Nile, standing on his chariot and followed by his court. He had gone forth to observe the height of the flood, when in the center of the road appeared, like two phantoms, Aaron and Moshe. The king drew in his horses, the foam of whose mouth was already flecking the breast of the tall, motionless old man. Moshe with slow and solemn voice repeated his adjuration. PROVE TO ME BY SOME WONDER THE POWER OF YOUR GOD, ANSWERED THE KING, AND I WILL GRANT YOUR REQUEST. TURNING TOWARDS AARON, WHO WAS A FEW STEPS BEHIND HIM, moshe SAID, TAKE THY ROD, AND STRETCH OUT THY HAND UPON THE WATERS OF EGYPT, UPON THEIR STREAMS, UPON THEIR RIVERS, AND UPON THEIR PONDS, AND UPON ALL THEIR POOLS OF WATER, THAT THEY MAY BECOME BLOOD, THAT THERE MAY BE BLOOD THROUGHOUT ALL THE LAND OF EGYPT, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Aaron lifted up his rod and smote the waters that were in the river. The train of the pharaoh awaited the result anxiously. The king, who had a heart of brass within a breast of granite, smiled disdainfully, trusting in the skill of his wise men to confound the foreign magicians. As soon as the river had been smitten by the rod of the Hebrew, the rod which had been a serpent, The waters began to turn muddy and to boil. Their mud-color was gradually changed. Reddish tones began to mingle with it. Then the whole mass assumed a somber purple color, and the Nile seemed a river of blood with scarlet waves that edged the banks with rosy foam. It seemed to reflect a vast conflagration, or a sky rayed by lightning. But the atmosphere was calm. Thebes was not burning and the unchanging azure spread over the red stream, marked here and there by the white bellies of dead fishes. The long crocodiles, using their crooked paws, emerged from the river on to the bank, and the heavy hippopotami, like blocks of rose granite covered with leprous black moss, fled through the reeds, or raised above the stream their mighty heads, unable to breathe in that water of blood. The canals, the fish-ponds, and the pools had all turned the same color and the vessels full of water were red like the basins in which the blood of victims is collected the pharaoh was not astonished at the wonder and said to the hebrews this miracle might terrify a credulous and ignorant people but it has nothing surprising for me let inanna and the wise men come they will repeat this enchantment the wise men came led by their chief inanna cast a glance on the river and its purple waves "'and saw at once what was the matter. "'Restore things to their primitive condition,' he said to Moshe's companion. "'I will repeat your wonder. "'Aaron again smote the stream, which at once resumed its natural color. "'Inanna nodded briefly, like an impartial expert "'who does justice to the skill of a colleague. "'He considered the enchantment was well wrought, "'for one who had not had, like himself, the opportunity of studying wisdom in the mysterious chambers of the labyrinth where a very few of the initiated can alone enter so trying are the tests which have to be undergone it is my turn now he said and he stretched out over the nile his rod engraved with hieroglyphic signs muttering a few words of a tongue so old that it had probably ceased to be understood even in the days of meni the first king of egypt a language spoken by sphinxes with syllables of granite. A vast red flood stretched suddenly from one bank to the other, and the Nile again rolled in sanguined waves to the sea. The twenty-four magicians saluted the king as if they were about to withdraw. "'Remain,' said the pharaoh. They resumed their impassable countenances. "'Have you no other proof of your mission than that? My wise men, you see, imitate your wonders very well.' Without appearing discouraged by the ironical words of the king, Moshe replied, In seven days' time, if you have not made up your mind to let Israel go into the desert, to sacrifice to the Lord according to their rites, I shall return and perform another wonder before you. At the end of seven days Moshe reappeared. He spoke to his servant Aaron the words of the Lord, stretch out thine hand with thy rod over the streams over the rivers and over the ponds and cause the frogs to come up upon the land of egypt as soon as aaron had done as he was bidden millions of frogs emerged from the canals the rivers and the marshes they covered the fields and the roads they hopped upon the steps of the temples and the palaces they invaded the sanctuaries and the most secret chambers Legions of other frogs followed those which had first appeared they were found in the houses in the kneading troughs in the ovens in the coffers No one could step anywhere without crushing some as if moved by springs They jumped between people's legs to the right and the left forward and backward as far as the eye could reach They were seen rippling hopping jumping past one another for they already lacked room and their numbers grew their ranks became denser They formed heaps here and there, innumerable green backs turned the countryside into a sort of animated green meadow, on which their yellow eyes shone like flowers. The animals, horses, asses, goats, terrified and startled, fled across the fields, but everywhere came upon the loathsome swarms. The pharaoh who from the threshold of his palace beheld this rising tide of frogs, with weariness and disgust crushed as many as he could with the end of his sceptre and pushed back the others with his curved sandals but his labour was lost more frogs came no one knew whence and took the places of the dead swarming more than they did croaking more than they did more loathsome more uncomfortable bolder showing the vertebrae on their backs staring at him with their big round eyes spreading out their webbed feet wrinkling the white skin of their throats. The vile animals seemed endowed with intelligence, and they formed denser shoals around the king than anywhere else. The swarming flood grew and still grew, on the knees of the colossi, on the cornices of the palace, on the backs of the sphinxes, on the entablatures of the temples, on the shoulders of the gods, on the pyramidions of the obelisks, the hideous reptiles, with swollen backs and indrawn feet. Had taken up their places. The Ibises, which at first had rejoiced at this unexpected treat, and had lanced them with their long beaks, now alarmed by this mighty invasion, fled to the upper regions of the sky, snapping their long bills. Arun and Moshe triumphed. Inanna, having been summoned, was sunk in thought. His finger placed upon his bald brow, his eyes half closed, "'he seemed to be seeking within his memory "'for a forgotten magic formula. "'The pharaoh, somewhat uneasy, turned towards him. "'Well, Anana, have you lost your mind by dint of thought? "'Is this wonder beyond the reach of your wisdom?' "'In no wise, O king. "'But when a man is engaged in measuring the infinite "'and calculating eternity, "'and in spelling out the incomprehensible, "'it may happen that he does not at once recall the odd word,' "'which rules reptiles, makes them live or destroys them. "'Watch! All this vermin is about to vanish.' "'The old magician waved his wand and whispered a few words. "'In an instant the fields, the squares, the roads, the quays along the stream, "'the streets in the city, the courts of the palaces, the rooms of the houses, "'were cleansed of their croaking guests and restored to their primitive condition. "'The king smiled, proud of the power of his magician.' It is not enough to have broken the spell of Aaron," said Inanna. I shall repeat it. Inanna waved his wand in the opposite direction and muttered the contrary formula. Immediately the frogs reappeared in greater numbers than before, leaping and croaking. In a twinkling the whole land was covered with them. And then Aaron stretched out his rod, and the Egyptian magician was unable to dispel the invasion called up by his enchantment in vain he spoke the mysterious words the incantation had lost its power the bands of wise men withdrew pursued by the loathsome scourge and the brows of the pharaoh were bent with anger but he hardened his heart and would not grant the prayer of moshe his pride strove to struggle and to fight against the unknown god of israel however unable to get rid of the terrible reptiles pharaoh promised moshe if he would intercede for him with his God, to grant the Hebrews permission to go into the desert to sacrifice. The frogs died or returned to the waters, but the Pharaoh hardened his heart, and in spite of the general remonstrances of Tahoser, he did not keep his promise. Then was let loose upon Egypt a multitude of scourges and plagues. A fierce warfare was waged between the wise men and the two Hebrews, whose wonders they reproduced. "'Moshe changed all the dust in Egypt into lice. "'Inanna did the same. "'Moshe took two handfuls of ashes of the furnace "'and sprinkled them towards the heaven in the sight of the Pharaoh, "'and immediately they became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man "'and upon beast among the Egyptians, but not upon the Hebrews. "'Imitate that wonder,' cried the Pharaoh, beside himself with anger and as red as if he were standing in front of a fiery furnace, as he addressed himself to the chief of the wise men. "'It would be useless,' replied the old man, in a tone of discouragement. "'The finger of the unknown is in all this. Our vain formula cannot prevail against that mysterious power. Submit, and let us return to our sanctuaries to study this new god, this lord, who is more powerful than Amun-Ra, Osiris, and Typhon.' THE LEARNING OF EGYPT HAS BEEN OVERCOME, THE RIDDLE OF THE SPHINX CANNOT BE ANSWERED, AND THE VAST MYSTERY OF THE GREAT PYRAMID COVERS NOTHINGNESS ONLY. AS THE Pharaoh STILL REFUSED TO LET THE HEBREWS GO, ALL THE CATTLE OF THE EGYPTIANS WERE SMITTEN WITH DEATH. THE ISRAELITES LOST NOT A SINGLE HEAD. A WIND FROM THE SOUTH AROSE AND BLEW ALL NIGHT LONG, AND IN THE MORNING WHEN DAY DAWNED, A VAST RED CLOUD CONCEALED THE WHOLE OF THE HEAVENS. Through the dun-coloured fog the sun shone red like a buckler in the forge, and seemed to have lost its beams. The cloud was different from other clouds. It was a living cloud. The noise of its wings was heard. It alighted upon the earth, not in the shape of great drops of rain, but in shoals of rose-yellow and green grasshoppers, more numerous than the grains of sand in the Libyan desert. They followed each other in swarms like a straw blown about by the storm. The air was darkened, they filled up the ditches, the ravines, the streams, they put out by their mere mass the fires lighted to destroy them. They struck against obstacles, and then heaped up and overcame them. If a man opened his mouth, he breathed one in. They found their way into the folds of the clothing, into the hair, into the nostrils, their dense columns made chariots turn back. They overthrew the solitary passer-by, and soon covered him. Their formidable army, springing and flying, marched over Egypt from the cataracts to the delta, over an immense breadth of country, destroying the grass, reducing the trees to the condition of skeletons, devouring plants to the roots, leaving behind but a bare earth trodden down like a threshing-floor. At the request of the pharaoh Moshe made the scourge cease. An extremely violent west wind carried all the grasshoppers into the sea of weeds but the pharaoh's obstinate heart, harder than brass, porphyry, or basalt, would not relent. Hail, a scourge unknown to Egypt, fell from heaven, amid blinding lightning and deafening thunder, in enormous stones, cutting, bruising, breaking everything, mowing down the grain as if with a scythe, then black, opaque, horrifying darkness, in which lights were extinguished as in the depths of the airless passages spread its heavy clouds over the land of egypt so fair so luminous so golden under its azure sky where the night is clearer than the daytime in other climes the terrified people believing themselves already shrouded in the impenetrable darkness of the sepulchre groped their way or sat down by the propylae entering plaintive cries and tearing their clothes one night a night of terror and of horror a spectre flew across the whole of egypt entering every house, the door of which was not marked with red, and the firstborn of the males died, the son of the pharaoh as well as the son of the meanest hind. Yet the king, notwithstanding all these dread signs, would not yield. He remained within the recesses of his palace, fierce, silent, gazing at the body of his son stretched out upon the funeral couch with the jackal's feet, and, heedless of the tears of Tahoser, which wetted his hand. Moshe stood upon the threshold of the room, without any one having introduced him, for all the servants had fled hither and thither, and he repeated his demand with imperturbable serenity. Go, said Pharaoh at last, and sacrifice unto your god as you please. Tahoser threw herself on the king's neck and said to him, Now I love you, for you are a man, and not a god of granite. End of chapter 16, recording by Dion Johns, Salt Lake City, Utah.